I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. I'm Kate. And welcome to Topical Island. Each week, one of us will deep dive into a topic that interests us. Have you ever wondered how to become a Disney princess? Is diva behavior acceptable? And what does it have to do with the opera? Will we get to work from home forever, ever? Join us as we answer these questions and more. As each week, we will take you to a different topical island. Well, hello again, ladies. How are we this week? Kristen, how are things? Good. I was on my 18th vacation of the year. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) And it was absolutely, sorry, I just had a lot of vacation time banked up. And it was lovely. It was an absolutely gorgeous week here. And I did a lot of walking around outside and it's been awesome. How about you guys? Julie? That sounds nice. Um, Yeah, it's spring. So it's time to get busy. We had a whole bunch of material delivered to the house, lots of gravel and soil and compost so that we're doing a major upgrade to our garden area. So um, yeah, and I was out with the pruning shears yesterday. Do you guys, do do either of you, like you get the shears, either the little ones or the big ones, and you start snipping a plant and then- fast for me. Me too, but I I also really love it. And, and my experience has, knock on wood, uh, Mm -hmm. always been that things, if you prune now, and by now I mean early spring, things just come back like full, full force, full strength. And, uh, yeah, you can't do that much damage, (laughs) but yeah. True enough. Mm Mm-hmm. How about you, Kate? What were you up to this week? A lot. I feel like lots happened this week, but most recently, yesterday, just opened the windows, did a big spring clean. Um, I'm just loving the nice weather, and I can't get enough of it. I'm with you. Lots, and uh, yeah, I I think we're kind of reiterating maybe what we talked about last week, and just the air of spring and the hopefulness and it's um it's been wonderful i know our family is going to do a staycation this week like in the calgary area and it seems like a good time to be doing that because we can mm-hmm. actually enjoy outside a little bit and uh yeah it's so a calgary great time. area but you're going to kananaskis yes that's right yes wonderful so you'll be in the mountains and Yes. So it'll be still be a little bit crispy there, but but it should mm-hmm. be good. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, that sounds lovely. Um, well, I mean, I think we should jump right in. Kristen, where are we going today? Well, um, today, as I maybe alluded to before I hit the record button, is a little bit um mm, a little bit on the dark side, but I think it's interesting. And I hope that you will enjoy the conversation and that I won't scare you off and that this won't be the last podcast we ever do. Well, I know that as soon as you said things are going to get dark, I got really excited. (laughs) Well, uh, as we all know, many activities, different kinds of activities were postponed due to COVID-19. But one that I was not aware of, and maybe you both were, but there was supposed to be a new cemetery opening in Calgary called the Prairie Sky Cemetery. I was not aware of that. No. 
Um, I was also unaware of that project being put on hold, but for some reason the name sounds familiar. So maybe it was in the news at some point, but please yeah, tell us so, about it. So um, it was, it's actually the first new cemetery for Calgary in 80 years. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's actually, I mean, this, it, and during the pandemic, because of the health restrictions, uh, they just postponed it to 20. Well, I guess now, I mean, it's supposed to be sometime in 2021, but it was supposed to open in 2020. And it is located next to Ralph Klein Park, which is just outside the city, east um, from directly east. I was looking on a map from Lake Bonavista and Lake Douglasdale. I've never been to Ralph Klein Park, but. I have. It's very beautiful. Oh, well, there'll be a beautiful cemetery right next to it. Um, so the last ce- the last cemetery that was built in Calgary was the Queen's Park Cemetery, um, which, like I said, was 80 years ago. And also at that time, Calgary's population was less than 100,000. So obviously, we um, are in big need of a new cemetery. How is this possible? <laughs> it must have just been like the biggest cemetery. They're like, well, that'll do. I don't know. And then... Um, there is a big dog park next to Queens Park and there, there was an attempt to grow into that, but actually the dog park fought against, not the dog park. I don't know who is the entity of the dog park, but maybe the community, I guess, probably, but they won. So Queens Park was not able to expand. So they've now had to go into this brand new cemetery, which I'm sure was inevitable, um, anyways. Um, so Calgary has five cemeteries that are run by the city, as you guys know, I have been doing these find to grave excursions. I'd love to talk about these all day. But um, this topic actually led me down a really interesting path, which is about like sustainability in cemeteries and kind of where cemeteries are heading, which I had no idea. So obviously, for a long time, cemeteries have been a really important way to commemorate our loved ones. And there have been so many different iterations of them. The one that I wanted to share was that... Um, my namesake of my middle name, Jonina, who was my aunt who passed away well before I was born. She has a cemetery. She has a cemetery. She has a tomb a grave site in Manitoba. And every time that we go out to visit the farm out there, I always go see her. And it's always been a really important place because, of course, I never knew her. And it's the only place that I know that I can connect with her. So I just wanted to reiterate that, obviously, I mean, that's a just a small example of one of the many thing, reasons that people kind of require somewhere to go, whether it's a cemetery or where you know someone's ashes are or whether you have their ashes in a something on your mantle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's right. Like, yeah. Does anyone have anything like that? Um this is so this is already so interesting. <laughs> and um a few things. One is that there are members of my family and who, because of their religious beliefs, will absolutely never be cremated. Mm-hmm. That they, it's very important that the body remains intact mm-hmm. when it's interred. Um, which I'm, I, I now I'm so curious. I can't wait to learn more because I'm wondering if one of the reasons we haven't need needed in Calgary a cemetery for so many years is because so many more people are being cremated yeah that Mm -hmm. was my that was kind of what I first thought yeah and become a little bit more popular (laughs) yeah for sure um cremation I guess uh, I think I think the stat that I saw 
that was published in Avenue Magazine was at upwards of, I think, 70% of people are being cremated. So definitely. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, but there's also people who, you know, who get cremated and still have burials or have um, are put in like a mausoleum type of situation, you know, the the walls. Right. Um, yeah. But the one thing that I discovered was that um, peop- the, we've really separated ourselves from the interment process in some ways. So um, one example is Irish wakes up until the mid 1900s, people would still have wakes in their living room um, with I have a little chart here. Basically um, after the body is prepared as late, sorry, immediately after a loved one has passed, a window is opened and that'll allow their spirit to leave the room. So they would leave the person there open the window, the spirit would leave the room. And after the body's prepared, uh, people would come and like see the body in the people's homes. And um, in the US, it was very similar before uh, the Civil War, which is 1861 to 1865 house funerals, a process in which the deceased are clean, dressed and cared for by their family um, was something that was very normal, was that the families would actually be right. way more likely to take care of um so it's it's just really interesting how you know the co- topic of death and, and burials and that has become such a, a taboo and a difficult thing and for so many reasons we know it's difficult to talk about but it used to be so much more uh incorporated into i guess our lives more so than it is now maybe mm-hmm. um, um i'm also reminded of i don't i think if you've both seen The Wire, and I'm guessing this is based on a real tradition. Um, the show is fairly realistic in its depictions mm-hmm. of where the police officers, and I think it's based on the Irish wake, would bring the body of a deceased police officer, lay it out on the pool table of the cop bar, and have a big celebration oh. in and around the body. Wow. I don't know if they. some people continue to do versions of an Irish wake. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it I mean, it certainly is. I'm sure that, yeah, I, whether or not the popularity of it has gone down or is it, yeah, or is it our, like the Canadian culture not to, not to do that? I don't know. So yeah, the kind of, what I kind of grew up with the thought of was that Burial was kind of like an older school thing. I was going to be cremated and that was just a little bit more environmentally friendly or whatever you want to say. Um, Because the traditional process of the burial process is actually aimed at preserving the body as long as possible. Um, Embalming it with formaldehyde, then sealing it in a concrete lined oak casket and bring it six feet underground where air and bacteria can't reach it. But now I guess the trend is really more so around people thinking about how their burial is impacting the environment. Um, this is a stat from the American side of things, but um, each year through burials, our Americans are putting 20 million feet of wood, 4.3 million gallons of embalming fluids, 1.6 million tons of reinforced concrete, and 17,000 tons of copper and bronze, 64,000 tons of steel into the into the earth in burials. And so, the idea of like a green burial is is kind of the direction I'm heading here, which is um, there's a a huge movement towards it. Of course, we're thinking about all things environmental nowadays, and that has actually become a bit of a tradition. Hmm. So my immediate thought is 
or what I what I picture is like a sleeping bag size compost <laughs> bag. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going there. I'm telling you, we're going there. We're going there. Um, because also a so again, like going back to my perception of cremation, um, it has actually been calculated to be the equivalent of a 500 mile car journey. So it's also not 100 percent green. Right. Um, no, of course. So um, the Green Burial Society of Canada has five tenants uh, in their green burials. And so, and, and sorry, just to head back a little bit, um, the new cemetery in Calgary will have, uh, I think, a green section. Cal- Calgary does, currently does not have like any green cemeteries at the moment. And actually the Green Burial Society of Canada has like a little map of all the locations of green green cemeteries. And there's one in Edmonton, which I did not look into, but um, so their five tenants are no embalming. So there was this thought, even with cremation, that people were embalmed and then cremated. And so they have this no embalming, direct earth burial, which is kind of what you're talking about, Kate. It's less of the big old casket. Um, ecological restoration and conservation, um, communal mem- memorialization. So they use a lot more like natural um, elements from the earth instead of unnatural kind of like big tombstones. And then optimized land use, which is actually like, so if people are more likely to, um, mm, what's the word, uh, be taken back into the earth, this the burial plot would actually be reused. Oh, okay. Oh, so, like the same spot. Yeah. So like um, if you, I don't know. I don't know how that would necessarily work a hundred percent, but if you, if the person had been there long enough, you know that you could reuse that spot because likely it would have already decomposed. So I thought it was really cool actually. So Canada's has their first public natural burial cemetery, which is on Salt Spring Island. Of course it is. (laughs) (laughs) It is on, it says situated beautifully on the traditional cow territory of the Cowichan and coastal coast Salish people. And basically what they do is they wrap their loved ones in natural fibers. They build biodegradable caskets and baskets and set them into a fern lined shallow grave and mark their place with a simple stone memorial in a natural burial cemetery. All the graves look alike and they basically choose stones and they put people's names on stones, but they're all from the land and they only use like native grasses and that to grow in and amongst the people. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. And in a shallow grave? Why? Um, I'm not totally sure why on that. Because again, my mm-hmm. when you mentioned, you know, land conservation and yeah, know, using it to the to maximum. Again, what I picture, which is probably not correct, is <laughs> digging a really deep hole and oh. then creating like bunk beds. So it's like <laughs> you start at the bottom and that like, so maybe the first person is like 15 feet down. And then once, once there's enough tenants <laughs> in the bunk bed, you could, you would stop at maybe like when there's six feet. And hey, there's a, there is a board of directors for the green burial society. And I'm wondering if you would like, I'm wondering if I should get in contact. I feel like I might have some ideas. (laughs) I have also heard anecdotally in some areas where the land use has become such a big issue 
that they start to bury them vertically to oh, save out space. Oh, interesting. So, Kate, when you go to the meetings, you can take that forward. <laughs> I can too. bring that up too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then and then it would be more, um, maybe a little bit more sociable underground because it would be like you're just kind of all standing around at a party. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I, I'm so curious, Kristen, because I would have, you know, when you were saying green, I my initial thought was, oh, cremation. But obviously there is like a, a carbon aspect to burning a body. Mm-hmm. Um, do, um, but And I also realized that like my maternal grandfather, when he passed away, although cremated, he was definitely embalmed because there was an open casket. Mm-hmm. So Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think it's, a pre- it's definitely a, pre- a preservation thing. Like that's, I think, what... Um, and there was one of the articles I was reading is that there's just, so I think they were saying like about 50% of people are aware that, um, in that, it was American and American, that was part of that American article that I mentioned, but that actually embalming isn't necessary, but I think like there are some more natural processes. There was like a freezing kind of process that they mentioned. Um, but also just that that was the number one argument was, was keeping someone looking to a certain level if you were going to be like visiting or those kinds of things um and so it sounds like there were possible ways around that but I think that that would definitely the thing about this is that there's so many different levels of it like you could you don't have to be in the salt spring graveyard to have a more biodegradable casket you know like there's all kinds of different levels of it so you know, you don't have to go all the way to the left or the right, not politically, just, you know, there's different ways um, to to just have an environmental conversation when you're thinking about how you want your, your body to go. But the the final one that I'm going to mention is quite interesting. So in on May 1st of 2020, Washington State legalized the process that turns bodies into human compost. Oh, so you can then garden with it. Yep. So the current Alberta Cemeteries Act limits Albertans to dispose of bodies for burial, mausoleum interment, cremation, or donation to a post-secondary institution. Um, right. But like I mentioned, and so Washington State was the first state, but there's a company in the States called Recompose um, from Seattle um, that devised human composting in 2017. So this is what they do. They seal the body inside a canister with some wood chips, alfalfa and straw, and then wait 30 days until the contents have decomposed into two wheelbarrows wheelbarrows worth of viable fertilizer. It only takes 30 days? Yeah, that seems quick. I know. And so there was some, there was, um, I think there was a former board member from the group that I had just mentioned, uh, the Canadian uh, Burial Society, that was a little bit, um, like you said, hesitant of like, you know, we have, obviously some of our compost would happen, but you think about bones in that. But apparently yeah. they successfully, researchers successfully tested the technique with six donors at Washington, Washington State University in 2017. And so the process uses one-eighth of the energy necessary for cremation and saves over a metric ton of carbon emissions per person, according to them. Huh. Fascinating. And so I don't know how far we are from 
having that here or even spreading across the United States. I, I guess it'll be interesting to see how that works in Washington. Right. So within the, so they're in this canister for 30 days and then like by the end of it, it's just like the person is spreadable mulch or like I'm a little disturbed (laughs) by this idea. I don't want to be growing my vegetables in human remains. I don't think. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think it's the idea of, Maybe you go and you you put the remains to make a tree. Okay. Huh. I think there was, there was, when they were talking about, you know, whether or not you bring it to Canada, they were definitely talking about, um, like, what lo- the laws that would need to go in place around where you'd be allowed to put that. I mean, I think there's probably some experimentation that still needs to happen about what that is actually like. And also... Just uh, totally agree. Like, do you want to know that your like you you bought some carrots and they were born they were made in human compost? Probably not. Like, I think that there needs to be some rules around in place around. Yeah, that. definitely. At least this I, is yeah. This is really all very interesting to me. Um, and Julie, did you not just start start the podcast by saying you're doing a big garden <laughs> overhaul? I have I have yards of compost sitting in my yard right now. Did it come from Seattle? <laughs> um, not that I'm aware of, but comp like real good compost is light and fluffy, and it's it's like quality compost is very well decomposed. And I am so hung mm. up on this thirty days. I just I can't. I I can't even make like a banana peel disappear in 30 days. Like I do my own compost too, but I'm, yeah. this is so interesting. I mean, obviously they made it work and that's great. I'm sure they've tested it for any kind of. Well, and it must have to do with the, it, like the ingredients of the canister, right? Like the alfalfa and the, yeah. I mean, otherwise they'd just be in a sleeping bag mm-hmm. compost. That, that compost bag, yeah. <laughs> Although, which you need to I, patent, obviously. obviously. I didn't I didn't think this would be a thing, but well, and then they said they they recompose recompose. They must like they plan to make a house to house the decomposing bodies in honeycomb like sealed canisters and in a bit of an art display, which to me is maybe a bit far, but. Um, I imagine if that were to become a more widespread thing, that would that couldn't be the norm. You would have a, a certain so way they, of dealing with that. The canisters of the bodies as they're decomposing would be the art display. That's my understanding. <laughs> weird. That's weird, right? <laughs> like, like, are they see-through canisters? It sounds insane. Okay. No, they're not see-through. Oh gosh, they're <laughs> well, white. They're I white. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you need to. I need. I'll send. Well, everyone who's listening, the link will be in our in our description, and I will be sure to. Um, there's lots of images. There's an, actually an image of one of the women from Recompose holding some of this, uh, and then there's also compost. a picture of the the compost. Yes, and then there's a picture of the art display. But wow. I did also want to just touch on another. Um, aspect of this that I think would come to mind because you're like okay I'm going to be in this beautiful cell spring you know what is the cost mm. of this so um Cowson who is someone who was hoping to bring um the concept to uh 
Ontario of the compost was expecting the process to cost approximately $5,500 per body or per per person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's what she said. Lawmakers would have to authorize the process for breaking down the body and come up with guidelines of where the human compost can be used. So don't worry. I don't think it's just going to show up in your garden. Um, Salt Spring had a huge range. There's, um, their interments varied in their region from 12,000 all the way to 25,000. Interesting. Wow. Well, yeah, I'd be curious to know what, what are you getting a, like, is there a level of environmentally friendly? Like if you're the ultimate environmentalist, you, you got to get the $25,000 package or like, yeah. What would make it? I don't know. Or the location, like, I know like in the grave, find a graving that I've been doing like there's definitely areas like one one place we were in the other day looking for a uh, burial plot it was it because it's spring it was there were a chunk of them that were underwater because it was in like a runoff kind of area mm. so I just feel like location um, location you know, location. location 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 your um your loved ones would still be visiting you and so you know are you in the meadow overlooking the ocean or are you I don't know. Oh, and then they were also talking about, like, you know, if it was rural versus the city. So I, I'm not, I mean, maybe need to review how large this actually is. Because if it's, they mentioned that, but that might have just been a, I don't know. They said rural graves where land is more abundant are usually less expensive than urban graves. So hmm. they might have quite a region going here. Um, and then finally, the simplest of cremations in Calgary can cost upwards of a thousand. But then once you, but Example, if you do a, a traditional burial with embalming, fancy casket, vault, gravestone, it can cost 30000 or even 40000 Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's comparable yeah, it's in not, price. Yeah, it's not outrageous. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'm I'm curious if, Kristen, you, kind of, you had said, well, I'm curious. What made you think, oh, I'm, I'll be cremated when I get older, initially? I don't have a religious background in terms of, like, I always thought the burial was more of a religious um, process. I mean, now that I've done some work in the graveyards and some volunteer work, um, I see so much value. Like, it just seems like such an, like, I I like it in a lot of ways, but I understand that it's land. Um, And so I don't know where I stand. I don't know where I stand now that I have so much information. Maybe I, I like I like the idea of doing something fairly green because they're even talking like one person even mentioned, you know, yeah. cremation again in my mind growing up. I always thought that's obviously the most environmentally friendly, but they're even talking about when you, if you spread someone's ashes, which again kind of goes back to the idea of human composting. If you spread a human ashes in a, in a sensitive area, they might actually not react well to the you know what I mean? Like there's there's things to consider in every aspect. Oh, and right. I'm pretty sure you can't just spread ashes anywhere. I'm sure a lot of people probably do, but in like sentimental locations, but I'm pretty sure that's not what you're supposed to do. I think I think it's Disneyland who has a very specific rule against it. Oh, interesting. Like you are absolutely not allowed to bring an urn to Disney World or Disneyland to our park 
Mm-hmm. I can see a lot of people wanting to be there Forever. eternally. I know. Right <laughs> in the castle. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think maybe, ha- I'm a, I might be halfway, like, I, I mean, sure. I mean, I like this Salt Spring Island idea. Well, that does kind of sound lovely and, you know, Salt Spring Island in and of itself is lovely and like, mm-hmm. you kind of get into that hippy-dippy thing the second you're there. Um, but, you know, Kristen, going back to what you first said about going to visit your aunt's grave, I think the location, I think it is kind of important to have a location mm-hmm. um, that loved ones can go to, even if it's a, this is where we spreaded the ashes location. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I won't say where we spread the ashes of my grandfather in case it was not legal <laughs> to do that. <laughs> But the place, I like when I go past it, I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I know he's here. I know this you is where he wants connection. to be. You have connection. Absolutely. So some way of like creating a monument to a, a pers- person is kind of special. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can have there's some things or you can have photos. But and of course, they're not depending on what you believe. I mean, I think regardless of what you believe, I don't think you think they're there necessarily. But there's something about that location that makes maybe you feel a little bit connected. Absolutely. Yeah. As I had mentioned early on, um, for my family who it's very important from a religious standpoint that their body is there waiting for them. That freaked me out when I was a kid. So much like Kristen Mm. was ready to get cremated. (laughs) I was sort of in the same camp only because it, it, the way it was kind of explained to me is I was picturing lots of zombies (laughs) and I didn't want that. (laughs) Well, that's really interesting. I know that I have always said I would be cremated um, because from a very young age, the, it, the if there is a sliver of a chance that I am ending up in a box underground and I'm not dead, oh, yeah. <laughs> it terrifies me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That it's it's a very irrational fear I have of being buried alive. Well, I mean, it is probably more irrational now, although historically it happened a lot. I feel like. Oh, I think it did. Is that so? Yeah, like I did not need to know that. I don't need a new irrational. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've heard that it used to because the the science just wasn't there, and so they would think that people were dead before they were actually dead, and so. Um, yeah, I think it was dis- there have been instances in which it was discovered that for one reason or another they've exhumed bodies and found like scratch marks on the coffin. Oh, but that's probably oh a whole other thing. That's, that's a, a whole other topic. That's a, that's a much darker podcast. <laughs> in terms of having that connection, and I do want to just very quickly tell this story. Um, uh, Julie and I had a really good friend in university. Um, uh, Chris Button, who passed away, Um, and another friend of ours, Heather. Me and Heather were about to embark on a trip of cycling across Canada, and I remember getting the news, and we were getting ready to literally fly to, to Newfoundland, and his family lived in Ontario, and so we got this horrible news, and um, my first thought was, well, we'll, we won't be able to make the funeral, um, but we'll be able, when we bike through Ontario, we'll be able to stop. And I felt like that would be my saying goodbye. Um, And when we got to his town, um, we had, I, we had asked um, 
his good friend who still who lived in the town where we could find his his burial his grave and they had ended up spreading his ashes at his cabin because that's where he would have wanted to be and i remember feeling very cheated out of a goodbye because even though it was you know of course like you said they're not actually there um but we 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 didn't have a place to go in which we could you know pay our respects basically and I remember that feeling thinking that was a shame yeah well I think you've given us quite a bit to think about (laughs) hopefully for not a for not quite some time but uh yeah it's definitely there's definitely a lot going on there is Uh, well it's nice to have options if nothing else there you go Julie do you have any uh good news for us to uh end off on here I have some good news. And it's interesting because we were talking so much about, you know, different green movements. I think these days we're all so much more aware of um, the waste we create, both, you know, things like getting rid of single-use plastics, and also we're becoming more and more aware of food waste. I know a lot of us do composting. (laughs) Um, But... uh, Ikea has just released a new cookbook that's about scrap cooking, about, I think there's 50 recipes of how to use the scraps from your kitchen to make something new. And this includes things like banana peel bacon, banana peel chutney. Um, So really using items that I didn't even know were actually edible. Yeah. They also provide instruction of how to regrow produce from like ends. So for example, celery, you can regrow, um, you can regrow carrot tops. You won't regrow the carrot, but you can grow the greenery on carrots. Uh, how to use ground eggshells as a lime scale cleaner. How to prepare cucumber leftovers as an insect repellent. Tips for how to store different produce um, that you wouldn't expect make sure that it's riper for longer and how to clean your finest skillets with leftover food instead of steel wool. So they've engaged 10 different um, chefs all with the aim of teaching us better ways to use the scraps from our kitchen. And it's called the scraps book and it's available at Ikea. So interesting take on a cookbook, but yeah. Very interesting. I, I don't know how soon I will be frying up a banana peel to chew on like a piece of bacon in my near future. I don't see that happening. But great news for people who want to try it. <laughs> yes, and the pescatarians <laughs> of the group might be thrilled. That's right. <laughs> Kristen. <laughs> well, and, and suppose supposedly it has sort of this smoky, sweet kind of flavor. So, you know, I might just go out and get this scraps book and see what it's all about. I think I like the name almost. Yeah. (laughs) I like how we're, we're conserving not only our food, but our, our bodies. We're just environmentally friendly everywhere today in every way. Yeah, we should call this the compost pa- podcast. Yeah, maybe this just this episode. The gr- we'll call this episode yeah, no. the green just the this, green episode. Just the compost episode. Yeah, yes. from bananas to bodies. How yes. to compost everything. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that was an awesome good news and so appropriate for the topic. Um, who knew? So, so it was awesome yeah. chatting with you guys. And did you find what you were looking for? 